Join us this week as we continue the sermon series, Church on Mission. We know that the Church on Mission is healthy. We know it's focused. It's certainly challenged in many ways, but is always ready to stand for the cause of Christ. Join me as I open up the first chapter of Philippians and see how that early church was on mission and how we can be and are on mission today. Well, good morning again, everyone. Thank you for being here to worship with us today. Uh, and I also want to thank uh, Dr. Bailey, our senior pastor, for allowing me to step up while he and Martha are away, hope, hopefully getting a, an enriching time away. Um, I came to, my family came to Covington to serve at this church in April of 1997. And uh, as I think back, the, a, lot of, a lot has changed in those 26 years. Uh, in fact, in February, early, very early February, of 1997, my wife, Melinda, and I got into our vehicle. We lived in Natchitoches, Louisiana, in North Louisiana, served at a church there, and we made our way to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, her hometown, to drop off my oldest daughter, our oldest daughter, whose name is Molly. She was two years old at the time. We dropped her off at Melinda's parents' house, and we made our way to Covington for what would be our final interview here before coming to work. We made our way down I-12, and we got to the Covington-Madisonville exit and started heading north on Highway 21, which looked a lot differently than it does today. It was a very, it was a two-lane highway at the time, very narrow, that took you all the way into the city of Covington. And there really, between the, you know, the, the city and the interstate, there really wasn't a lot between that, those two points at the time. A lot of trees and some roads you could turn off on and things. And so much so that as we were driving, Melinda turned to me and she asked me a question. She said, okay, if we move to Covington, are we moving to the country? <laughs> and, you know, she is from that big city of Hattiesburg. And uh, so, but, but, you know, as we kept driving, we began to see signs of commerce. We began to see signs of life and we began to see people. And it was, a, it was the beginning of a great time. Uh, when we moved here in April, the church was located downtown on Jefferson Street and 23rd Avenue across from what we used to call C.J. Shane Middle School. And today it's known as the St. Tammany Parish School Board Office. Uh, and the building we used to uh, be, uh, be located in is now known as the Covington City Hall. In fact, the mayor's office is in what we used to call the preschool area. Uh, Furman Auditorium used to be our, our, our worship center. And then in 2001, we made the journey three miles away here to this location on the corner of Bricker Road and Bootlegger Road, Highway 1085. And it was great. It was fun. It was a good move. We, had, we actually got some parking when we moved out here. Uh, you know, in fact, if you, if you weren't here, if you've only come here in the past few years, this building, this, our church building looked a lot differently until just a few years ago. In fact, if you go into, if you exit here and go into the middle of what we call the Connection Center and look sort of north, you'll see this big giant wooden cross. I think it's the most photographed thing at this church is that big giant wooden cross. But if you look at that, that actually used to be the location of our front door of our church. 
this building, their children and children and preschool building was just this big old grassy field. We used to do vacation Bible school recreation and upward football and soccer in it. It was, it was just fun. But a lot has changed. A lot has changed. Uh, none of those businesses between here and the, uh, and the interstate were here. In fact, if you, if you drove from Highway 21 down Highway 10, 1085 to Highway 22 that goes into Ponchatoula, I don't know if any of those subdivisions were here when we moved out here in 2001. Maybe, maybe a few, but I don't know if any were. I know Coquille Park wasn't there. I know Hannon High School wasn't there. I know the YMCA wasn't there. There was a lot of trees. Things have changed, not only in our church, but changed in our community. You know what? When we moved here, uh, I was confronted by a bumper sticker that was prominent on, in St. Tammany Parish at the time. I was going over a bridge, and I saw it on the back of a truck. It said, welcome to St. Tammany. Now go home. <laughs> Those people lost. <laughs> a lot of people have moved here over the years. And we've seen a lot of great things in our community, and we've seen a lot of great things in our church. And I know this, when, I'm, when we moved to this church, uh, we began serving here. You know, it was, uh, um, it was already a church on mission. And that's, you know, our, our, our sermon theme for this time. It was a church on mission, reaching people, reaching families, teaching the Bible, uh, growing ministries. Uh, sometimes we knew exactly what we were doing. Sometimes we didn't, and God just really brought us along the way. It was a fun. It was fun. Moving out here was fun. It's been great. But being a church on mission is very important. And we're going to read out of Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1 in just a moment. And it was a church. You can tell it was a church on mission, especially as you read the entire book of Philippians. And I encourage you to do that. Uh, it was a church on mission. You could tell Paul loved that church, and you can tell that church loved Paul. You could tell they supported one another. And it takes all those kind of things to be a church on mission. So read along with me, starting in verse 1 of chapter 1 in Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, to all God's saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains, which he was at the time, or defending the gospel and confer defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Well, those 11 verses set, uh, set the table for the rest of chapter 1 and really the rest of the book of Philippians. And again, you can tell, Paul loved that church. Paul prayed for that church. 
uh, that church likely, uh, we, we, we can assume that that church loved Paul and they prayed for Paul. Um, and you know, it, that church highlighted several things that it takes to be a church on mission. The first of those is this. It needs to be a healthy church. And I can tell you about our church. Since I've been here in the 26 years I've been here, the church has never been healthier. It's never been healthier. I think I walked into a pretty healthy church in 1997. But it's never been healthier. And, you know, as I think Paul was eight to, depending on the timeline you follow, Paul was about eight to 12 years away from when that church in Philippi had begun. And I think he could look at that church and see a healthy church that had been born. In fact, one article that I read about this, I don't, it was just a brief article, and the, the, the guy that wrote, wrote it was a pastor, and he, he surmised that this might be the healthiest church that Paul had planted. I don't know, but I know it showed signs of health as you read the scripture. But uh, the first bullet point there tells us something uh, very unique about this, is that the Philippians gave Paul the gift of partnership in the gospel. The gift of partnership. Look back up in verses 4 and 5, and it says this. It says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Well, what does that look like, partnership in the gospel? Because there's a lot of notable verses just in these 11 verses and in, and in uh, chapter 1. But what is that partnership in the gospel? It grabbed me when I was preparing the sermon. Well, we need, we need to start with the gospel. What is the gospel? You might be new to church. You might be new to religion. You might, be, you, might have never, you might not know what that means. The word gospel actually means good news. And it is, in this context, the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's what that is. That God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to be with the people that he created. That he was fully God, yet fully human. And just as miraculous, he lived a life that was totally without sin. Totally without sin. But because of the sin of the world, because of my sin, because of your sin, because of the sin of the world, he allowed himself to be crucified, to be executed on a very cruel Roman cross. And on that cross, he died. And he was placed in a tomb. And a stone was rolled in front of it to seal that tomb. But take heart. Three days later, he rose again. And what did he accomplish? He defeated hell. He defeated sin. He defeated death. But he created the pathway through himself through Jesus Christ himself and him alone, that we can have relationship with God and that we can be saved from our sins and that we can have eternal life with him. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what I've staked my life on. And many people in this room have staked their lives on. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? It was the center of, of that partnership. It was the center of that partnership between the church in Philippi and Rome. You know what? As we read through Philippians, as we read through uh, uh, parts of uh, 
Acts, it talks about they sent financial support to Paul to support him that way. They prayed for Paul to support him that way. They encouraged him through other people as he did ministry. They weren't only about the church at Philippi. They were about the church worldwide as Paul was planting churches and other missionaries were planting churches. And in turn, Paul gave them the same support, love, prayer. Partnership in the gospel is tremendously important for a church to get healthy, remain healthy, and get healthier, okay? Partnership in the gospel, what does that look like? How does that play out? Well, here in the local church, it plays out because the church, we want a partnership with you and God to accomplish the gospel in your life, in your life personally. How does that look? That not only that you accept Christ, but you begin to grow in him. And the gospel becomes the centerpiece of your life. And the gospel begins to come out of you in all parts of your life, in your family, in your friendships, in your neighborhoods, in your community. That the gospel comes out of you and becomes not just part of your life. It becomes the center of your life. That's what we're called to as believers. Maybe in your family it looks like this. That you, know, you may have kids in your house. You may have grandkids in your house. And let's use that as an example. How does that look that a mom and a dad, that the gospel has affected them and the gospel has become so intentionally become part of their lives and they begin to read scripture and live by the word of God and their kids see their mom, their dad reading scripture and then maybe it progresses that the parents read scripture with their kids. Prayer. Kids begin to see, children begin to see their parents praying together and then praying with their children. They see those things and it becomes part of their lives. The church, gathering of the saints in service and in worship is not just an occasional thing. It's part of your life to come to serve, to seek wisdom, to grow in your relationship with Christ with the other saints and to take it out in the community. People trained to serve your children and teach your children. People trained to teach teenagers and preschoolers and adults. Partnerships going on all over this campus right now and inside our community. But think about the testimony of those children for just a moment when they're older. That maybe they can say once they've accepted Christ and maybe they can say, you know what? I grew up, I can't remember a time when scripture wasn't a part of my life. And it's not just because my dad and my mom took me to church, it's because they, they took it to me, to, they read it with me and they, they lived it out in front of me. I can't think of a time when prayer wasn't a part of my life because my parents prayed with me and they taught me how to pray. I can't think of a time that I just didn't love going to church. There were some times I didn't want to go to church, but they made me go anyway, but I fell in love with church. And gathering with the saints. Can you think, that testimony would be beautiful, wouldn't it? It would be. And it can be. It's not always perfect. It gets messy. But we want to partner with you in that. Whether that's with children, with your other family members, whether that's your friendships. And being able to live the gospel out in your life, in your lives. The second bullet point there is this. That partnership in the gospel produces fruits, the fruits of growth and mission. 
I really don't think you can be on mission. I mean, if, you, if you're living out the gospel in your life, you can't help but be on mission. You want to tell people about Jesus Christ. You want to tell what he's done in your life. You want to serve other people. You want to be on mission. And as we're doing those things, the church, I mean, think about this. Parents, grandparents with children, they pass along their faith. The church gets healthier and healthier because we're not guaranteed health in the future unless you and I are passing along our faith to others. Because you know what? Salvation doesn't just happen. It's intentional. And passing along faith is intentional. And the future, of the, the future health of the church depends on that. Number two there, the church, in my 26 years, the church has never been more spiritually focused Now, I don't want to get off that subject of the gospel. The goal is the gospel. And if we are focused on preaching the gospel, preaching God's word, submitting ourselves to the authority of scripture, we will remain focused if we will do that. Focused on the gospel and the authority of scripture. I want you to think about that for a minute. Telling people about what God has done in your life, how you met him, how it's changed your life, It keeps us focused on the gospel and maybe not all the things that distract us and get us off target. It does those things. I mean, think about the gospel this way, the good news of Jesus Christ this way. If it weren't for the gospel, we wouldn't be all in this room together today. There's nothing that brings us together in this room at this place today other than the gospel for the most part. It brings people together. It unites people. It helps us live a life where we're pulling in the same direction, striving for the same things, and that is the glory of God, that we're striving for those things. And if we are staying focused, that second bullet point there, we become focused on people and purpose. Look at at, uh, verse 14. It's further down than when we were reading. But verse 14 says something, to me, pretty amazing. It says, and because of my chains, because he's in jail, he's being held against his will, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You know, when I read that, it doesn't make sense. Imprisonment should discourage you. It should discourage us. Imprisonment should knock us down. And stop us from doing what we're doing. But Paul is saying quite the opposite. He's saying, because of my chains, the gospel is being preached. Because of my condition, the gospel is going forward. Because of where God has us. No matter what we're walking through. If the gospel is the center of our lives, we remain focused. And the church remains healthy. And we begin to see that God is much bigger than anything that we can think of. I don't think the church is more focused than it has ever been more focused than it is today. Now, let me tell you something. Also, as you read Philippians and as we look around our world today, the church, number three, the church has never been more challenged. I mean, we can look at it positively and we can say, there's some challenges out there, 
You know, we, we're challenged to share the gospel more. We're challenged to train more people. We're challenged, and those are all positives, okay? But we know we can look around our world, and there's some real challenges that, are, that have infiltrated the church, that are trying to creep into the church. And if we're not careful and we're, if we're not aware and we're not reading our scripture and we're not under, growing in our faith in God, we just let them come in. I want you to consider this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. And see if this sounds familiar. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them great, a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Does that sound familiar? I mean, human beings, pretty much, we want to hear what we want to hear. And sometimes we're attracted to it. And then sometimes it begins to come into the church we can look around at culture, how culture has affected the church. We can see how culture has affected, has come into the church and is destroying churches. And even entire denominations have submitted to the God of this age and that culture. And people are walking away from the church because of it. It's called humanism at its core. It attacks biblical marriage. The idea that it's one man, one woman for the rest of your life. It attacks biblical marriage. But if we keep preaching the Bible, we will sustain biblical marriage in this church and others like us. It attacks how we think about ourselves and how we think about others. It, said, it attacks our idea that God made them, made them male and female. It attacks those things, things we've known for centuries that are true and we've hung everything we believe on it. And I think it's because we want to gratify our own desires. And a society has gotten away from the Bible. Truth has been portrayed as false. Good has been portrayed as evil. And evil has been portrayed as good. And the church, some churches, reflect that very clearly. We can't let that come into our church. We can't let things like what we call, what is called the prosperity gospel come into our church. It's a gospel that's built around carnal desire. God wants us to be healthy. God wants us to be wealthy and he wants to meet all our desires. I can tell you there's a lot of scripture that fight that. And I want you to really be aware of those things because they take a little bit of scripture and they make it sound, and they use it out of context, and it makes it sound like God just wants to make us rich. And that's really not the truth. It's not the truth at all. The Bible, in fact, says in this world there will be trouble. But he's overcome the world. Look, there's a long list, and you can Google it or whatever you want to call it. Just type in prominent prosperity gospel preachers when you get, it, when you get out of here. And look at the list of them. You might be following them on Twitter. And you don't even know it. Because they say just enough good, but they bring a lot of harm. I mean, there's even, I mean, and look, 
That's false teaching, and that's what Paul writes about in Philippians chapter 3. I mean, right here in Philippians chapter 1, he writes about people, I guess, that are actually sharing the gospel in a sound way, but they're doing it for the wrong motives. I mean, look down here in verse 15, it says they're sharing, they're, they preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. And down in 17, it says they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. I mean, they're, they're likely preaching the message, but they're doing it for the wrong motives. Paul asked the question, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. I understand what Paul's saying, and I'm not going to fight against it. But I also will say this. The gospel teaching with the wrong motives and with, the, and, with fault and with vanity can divide the church. It can. Teaching different, coming in and teaching a different, I mean, look, there's all kinds of different theologies out there, and, there, and those all kinds of different theologies have some really solid doctrine in them. But they're written by men. Okay? They're written by men. They're not the Bible. They might, they might include the Bible, and they might be so solid. But if we get up here and we preach and we teach about the gospel of a man, we're really in trouble. It'll divide the church. It'll overcome the church if we're not careful, at least the local church. Please teach the Bible. Please follow the Bible. Man is fallible. The Bible is not. God's word is not fallible. And I, I just bring all that up. Because we do, need to, we do need to watch out for how, the, how Satan works in the church. But here's what we know, too. Last point, number four. The church has never been so ready to step up and be counted for Christ. This church, I think, for a long time has been ready to, be st to step up and be counted for Christ. And it has been. It has been. Um, Paul, that first bullet point there, Paul... God calls all his people to fruitful labor. And right there in verse 22, down from where we've been reading, it says, if I am going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. You know, he was reckoning with the idea of remaining on earth and serving and the idea of going to spend eternity with Christ. And he knew that eternity with Christ was much better, but he reckoned he was going to be there for a while. And that would mean what? Fruitful labor. Labor that produces fruit for the kingdom of God. And every time I'm faced with a scripture, a piece of scripture like this, I have to ask myself a question. And in this regard, in this piece of scripture, I have to ask myself, am I producing fruitful labor for the kingdom of God? What fruitful work am I involved in? And I hope, I hope almost all of you or all of you are saying, well, they can, you can list that off. But if you can't, let God deal with you in that way. Because let me tell you, there's no, the beginning date is when you accept Christ as your Savior, and there's no expiration date. As long as you're here on earth to serve God and to produce fruitful labor. And as we do that, we routinely step up continually for the cause of Christ. The last bullet point is also sort of a 
Well, hope is an encouragement. Never let your past, your lack of training, or perceived lack of ability eliminate you from service. Okay? I'm, I'm telling you, I, I've been a pastor for, I think, 31 years. And I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, well, Glenn, I can't, I can't serve because you, you don't really know my past. Well, I, I probably didn't at the time. Uh, and let me, let me just use something like evangelism, okay? Evangelism. Glenn, I can't, I can't share. You just don't know my past. Let me, let me just say this. God meets you where you are, okay? And you can grow in your relationship with him. And guess what? You can share your faith. You can serve, okay? It might not look, what you, it might not look like what you thought it might be. It might not be as shiny and bright, you know, to the world. But it's going to be just as meaningful because God is behind it. And God is leading you. Don't let your past hold you back. We want to partner with you in that and figure out those places of service. Or, well, Glenn, I, I just, I've just, man, I've had this one a lot. Glenn, I, I can't go out and share my faith because I've never been trained. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna answer that question for you, okay? And it doesn't matter about if it's evangelism or teaching or opening doors or driving a golf cart in the walls of this church or going out and serve the community. We want to make sure you're trained. But go back to evangelism. We want to take away all those barriers. We want to help take away all those barriers for you sharing your faith, for me sharing my faith. We want to train you in such a way that you can clearly share the good news of Jesus Christ, that gospel. Clearly share your personal testimony, how, what your life was like before you knew Christ, how you came to know Christ, and what your life has been like since. So you can share that with family and friends and the community. So, September 9th, write that down. We're going to have a church-wide training. It's going to be awesome. We're inviting in experts, and they're going to come train. And it's going to be fun, and it's going to be challenging. We'd love you to come. And you might say, well, Glenn, I can't go that day. There's a football game. Well, we're going to do it again three months later. And if you're not free that one, we're going to do it again three months later, and then three months later. We're going to provide you plenty of opportunity to be trained because we know that that evangelism is it's an imperative and it's a commandment and we want you to be fully prepared to be able to do that but there but we want you to be fully trained to do a lot of things in this church because you add to that and we're partners in the gospel together and then the last thing there the last point there was uh or the fill in the blank thing was ability your perception of ability of your lack of ability let me tell you something there's a lot of things i don't have the ability to do there's a lot of things I'm good at. There's quite a few things I'm good at. I can remember baseball statistics from 30 years ago, but I can't remember the, you know, somebody's name when I meet them yesterday. I had those abilities, both good and not so useful. But then, you know, there's some things I'm not good at. And sometimes because of that, I got a little fear in me. I, I check myself a little bit. I get a little anxious. Because it's kind of, I just know I'm not good at it. But here's what I've found. There's a song I grew up singing, and it had these words in it. I am weak, but he is strong. My lack of ability 
will never hold God back as long as I'm obedient and faithful. God will provide exactly what I need. God will provide exactly what you need as you seek to step up for the cause of Christ. It's okay to work through fear. It's okay. In fact, it's healthy. It's okay to not feel like you're the most eloquent speaker or evangelist or anything like that. It's okay because it's not about you. It's about God. It's about that. The church is ready to not only be on mission. We're on mission. We're ready to stay on mission, to be healthier, to be more focused, to meet those challenges, and to step up more and more for the cause of Christ inside the church and inside the community and really inside the world. I want to invite you. You may be new to church. Uh, and maybe God's word, something revealed something to you today, and you may want to, you may say, Glenn, I want to, I want to talk more about accepting Christ as my Savior, about that gospel. We want to talk to you about that, okay? We want to make sure you understand and have the ability and have the way to accept Christ. Uh, you might be new to our community. Maybe you just moved here this summer or maybe just new to our church. You've lived here for a long time and you're looking for a church home. We would love to talk to you about that also. Uh, maybe, maybe you're just walking through a tough season in life. Things aren't going easily, and you need prayer. We want to pray with you today. In just a few minutes, our pastors, are, are, along with myself and some other, a few other pastors, are going to be down front. We can talk to you about a relationship with Christ. We can talk to you about joining the church. We can pray with you. We want to do those things. But let, I want you to take this minute during this invitation. And even if you're not thinking about coming down here, I want to challenge you to pray. How can God produce fruitful work in you? I want to challenge you to pray. Does, how can I have a relationship with Christ? Pray for those things. Pray for those things. They're important. So take that time and do that. Uh, if God's moving in your heart and you want to talk and you want to pray, we invite you to come forward. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for gathering us together to worship you. Thank you so much for gathering us together to hear your word. God, we thank you for the gospel. It unifies us. It moves us. It encourages us. And we thank you for those things. God, today, if there's anyone in this room that is without relationship with you, I pray that, God, you draw them to you. Father, we pray. I pray for this church. I pray, God, that you continue to not only sustain us, but help us grow in health and focus and purpose. God, we thank you so much that you've given us this day. We give the rest of it to you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.